You're listening to the 36th edition of the Bitochen podcast. We're continuing at the end of the 11th chapter of Madriga Sodom. There's a story in the Medrash, the Rishim Bar Yochai, one of his students. He went out of the land of Israel and he came back and he had acquired a lot of wealth. And the students saw, and they were jealous. They also decided that they would like to, to leave for the, for, to, to leave the land of Israel for this reason as well. It's a common statement that, which is not really true anymore, but that in Eretz Israel you can't make money. Rabbi Shem found out about this, and he brought them out to a valley. Shalpnei Meiron, which was near Meiron. And he prayed and he said, Bika, Bika, O valley, Mali Dinar Izov, fill up with golden coins. So they saw the valley start to pour, the, the, the golden coins were pouring into the valley. And he said to them, If you desire golden coins, Here's the gold. You want gold? You don't need to leave. You don't need to go to Chutzlaretz. Teluachem, take. But you should know that whoever takes now. You need to know that whoever takes now, you take from this gold, you're taking from your portion in the world to come. What is the meaning of this medrash? So just on the surface of it, clearly he was saying, you don't need to leave Eretz Yisrael. If you're going to have gold, you can get it right here, right now. But you need to know that those who go for wealth, those who are concerned with wealth, this is the Pashup shot, they are going to be um, subservient to that wealth, they're going to be unable to focus on spiritual matters, and they're not going to be able to receive the world to come, which is a result of one's work in this world in order to acquire spiritual, a spiritual relationship with Hashem. What do we see? We see that something which a person acquires without any efforts. Right? What was he saying? He was saying to them, if you will leave and you will go, so then you will get things through your hishtalus, through your efforts, you're going to acquire gold. You're going to acquire wealth. If you stay here, you will also receive what you need. If you are still involved in spiritual matters, you will also receive what you need. So, so if you get what you need, it's going to be from the heavens. It's going to be a heavenly gift. But a person who, look, doesn't take a lot of brains to figure out. If you go out to Chutzlaretz, if you go out far away, there's, there's money to be made elsewhere, right? But you're going to acquire wealth. But it could very well be that the person is, is losing a portion of his in the world to come. Now he's saying a little bit deeper than I said. He's saying that the, the very fact that I didn't depend on a Kodesh Baruch that I didn't depend on God, it limits and minimizes my relationship with Hashem. So I'm going to lose out in the world to come. 
we find in our sages, the Gemara says, Ilfa Baraisa. That there were two great sages, Ilfa and Rabbi Yechanan. They were learning Torah. And this is before Rabbi Yechanan had become Rosh Hashiva, the great sage, leader of the Jewish people. They were very poor. Amru, so they said, Let's go and let's get a job. And the verse, the, the verse says, the Pasuk says, in Tvarim, Tesvav, Pasuk Dalit, that you shouldn't have poor people. We have an obligation to provide for the poor. But they said, you know, we can take care of ourselves. All we need to do, go, to do is go out and work. They went, and on their way to find a job, or to, to find merchandise perhaps to sell, they sat near a wall, that was a, a broken wall. It was a dangerous wall. They were sitting and eating some food. And two angels came. heard that He heard the voice of these two angels. Not something that is commonly heard, but he was able to hear it. They were saying as follows, one to the other. One angel said, let's throw upon Rabbi Yechanan and Ula this wall, it's a broken wall they endanger their own life they don't have the merits because they left learning Torah they're leaving the world which is the spiritual realm they're leaving their his askus their involvement in learning and what are they doing? they're involving themselves in, in an ethereal world in the world a, a world that passes a world that's not, not so valuable. The other, uh, the other angel said, leave them, leave them alone. Because one of them is about to have an incredible time. It's going to be a good time for him. And it doesn't mean like he's going to have a good time. It means it's going to be a good time. He's going to become a great Rosh Hashiv. He's going to be a leader. You can't kill them. Rabbi Yechanan heard it and Ilfa didn't. Rabbi Yechanan perhaps turned to Ilfa and said, Did you hear that voice? Ilfa didn't hear it. Rabbi Yechanan only heard it. He says, No, I didn't hear anything. So he says to himself, If I heard it and Ilfa didn't hear it, he realized that it must be that it's his time. It's his time. Okay. He said to Ilfa, you know, I'm going to go back to, to learning. Because the Pasuk also says, we started saying, there, there shouldn't be poor people, but there's always going to be poor people. I'll be the poor person. So Rabbi Yechanan went back to learning, and Ilfa did not go back to learning. By the time Ilfa came back, and he had had some kind of uh, material success. So Rabbi Yechanan had already become king. That's the language. He became the Rosh Hashiva. They said to him, to Ilfa, who came back, they said to him, would you not have succeeded and become the Rosh Hashiva if you had come back? You chose not to come back. He went and he hung his head Literally, he hung himself. Doesn't mean he hung himself. But he went in a state of, of upset and sadness next to some kind of ship. 
Omar, he said, So he stood on the ship and he said, If anyone can ask me a question in learning in the Brysis, Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Yoshia, and I don't have the answer for them, I'll jump off the ship, I'll commit suicide. Meaning he was so sure of himself that he knew he still had his learning, he hadn't forgotten his learning. Says the altar, that he said this because he had a, he had a terrible feeling. He, he was very sad. He made a mistake by leaving learning. So, so Elio came to console him. He didn't realize perhaps that it was Elio Anavi, Elijah the prophet. He asked him a question. Ilfa knew the answer. He felt better. It wasn't because he was actually correct in his answer. But it was to make him feel better. So Leo came and consoled him. What we see from here is We see that Ilfa was on such a high level that even though he made this mistake and he had gone off and he had gone to, to study, I'm sorry, he had gone away from study and gone to get a Parnassah, nevertheless he was on such a high level that Leo and Navi would appear to him and tell him that the halacha is like him. And still, still we see from this Gemara that Ilfa was upset about his mistake. He was upset that he had gotten too involved in his shtalas, too involved in his work. We see from both of these stories the incredible importance. Obviously, again, you know, I've mentioned this before, and it's important to repeat it, that the altar is speaking, of course, to, to B'nai Taira, people who were sitting and learning, the Talmidim of Navardic, the this Sefer Madriga Sadam was written, it was, it was actually spoken and then put down in writing from speeches that he gave at conferences of the, of the Navarik yeshivas. There were tens of Navarik yeshivas in Russia. And he was at the helm and he was guiding them, but he was giving over the importance. And I think it speaks to us as well. How much importance do we give to our job? How much do we believe that the Parnassah comes from whatever we're doing? The, the, the thing that we've done, that's where the money comes from. How much do we believe that? How much do we think that? The altar is telling us the mistake of believing that that's where our money comes from. The mistake of giving up a level of our ruchnias, giving up a level of our spirituality, of our learning, of our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in order to be too involved in different matters, which we think is what gives us the parnasa, But it's going to come to us anyway. We might get more, we might become rich if we run after it, but then we lose. And that's what the altar says. We lose out. In the world to come. And it's just not worth it. And, you know, this is just what's coming up in my mind, something that he said previously, which is that the, to the extent that I am involved in, in his shtadlis, in, in very strong efforts, in increased efforts, in, in holding on tightly to trying to get what I want, to that extent, so I'm, I'm disconnected from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I need to put all of my kachos, all of my efforts in to trying to... The hishtalus that I need, as we've said previously, and I repeat again, is in bitachan, in our faith in Hashem, and knowing that that's going to be, it is the source. And the question is, do we, uh, you know, do we relate to that and realize that and accept that as true and, and incorporate that into ourselves and our lives and then how we, how we go. 
I'd like to start the, the, the next chapter, the 12th chapter, which is the last chapter in Darche Abitachan. The Altar of Navarik says a very, very powerful idea. He says like this. When Yaakov Avinu, when Jacob was fighting with the angel, so in, in doing so, so the angel struck Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, in his thigh. And it was, it was dislodged from its place as a result of of their uh, of their struggle. Vazayr Sham, the Zayr says there, Shanagavitamkandairaisa, that the the angel, when he struck Yaakov Avinu, when he struck him on his thigh, so the thigh is that part of the body which holds up the entire body. Right? So when he struck him, of course, my Sabasimanabanim, the things that happen to the Avais are representative of the things that will occur to their children, because they contain the potential for all of Klai Yisrael, the Avis, Yaakov Avinu. When he struck him there, he struck that which holds up the Torah. Yaakov Avinu, Jacob represents the Torah, is the Ishtam Yeshev Oyhalim, the simple person, the, the, the perfect person, better, who sat and he studied the Torah. So when he was struck over here, it was, it was the angel striking him in, the, in that which holds up the Torah, those who support the Torah. The support of the Torah. It makes sense to say that when it came to the, the body of the Torah, the Torah itself, Yaakov Avinu himself, Malach couldn't touch him at all. However, if there was somewhere that he could be affected, that he could receive a blemish to weaken him, it's in those ways that a person gets or has the ability to be able to learn. Right? A person can't learn if he doesn't have the right circumstances, if they don't have the support, if they don't have the monetary support, the emotional support, etc. So the angel was able to strike the Jewish people, really, in that location, which is the support of Torah. The Yitzhahara is represented by the angel. The evil inclination is the ability to darken and to, to dust up the path, which is the correct path, the path of the, of the Torah. For a time, he's able to do so, even to the Avis Ha'olam. And uh, I'm not going to continue because I've run out of time. But we're going to see that he, that he goes on to explain that what is the Tamkin Dairaisa, besides, of course, it being difficult to collect money for Yeshiva, to get the people to support those things that are Torah, to get people to support those who learn Torah, those who teach Torah, whatever it is. Besides to that, but there's also within the person what gives me the ability to learn Torah? What gives me the ability to support myself emotionally, monetarily, to believe that this, this is important? To believe that I don't need to expend so much effort as we spoke about previous, in, the, in the end of the previous chapter on, on my shtadlis, on my efforts, on, on money making. What is it that gives me that ability? It's my bitachon. It's my trust and faith in God that He's going to provide me with my needs. So there's a weakening in that area naturally which is caused by the Yitzhah the evil inclination, 
all the way back to the time of Yaakov, you know, to the times of Jacob. And it's something that we struggle with until this very day. And that is bitachon. And even if we've acquired some molkom, some level of bitachon, there's always a deeper level that we need to, to acquire, that we need to incorporate into ourselves. And it's something that's, that requires constant strengthening. It's not something that we just have it, and then it's in our pocket, we can pull it out whenever we want. It's something that needs developing, needs discussion, needs speaking about, it needs thinking about, it needs hearing a shear, it needs, means being part of a talking group. It means being part of a conversation, speaking about it with our family, speaking about it with those around us. Bitachon should be one of the concepts that we are always talking about. Our children should see us speaking about this. Our friends, this should be the conversation. Bitachon. Bitachon and more bitachon. I just want to end off with a story which I heard over Shabbos. I was in a place called Yavniel in northern Israel. A really beautiful location right next to Tveria, right next to the Kinneret, 10 minute drive away. And while I was there over Shabbos, so there was a rav there in the great synagogue of Yavniel, which is not so big, <laughs> but it was built by the Rothschild family a hundred years ago or so, eighty years ago or so. And the rav there has been the rav there for forty years. His name is Rabbi Frankel, and he told over his story from his father-in-law. His father-in-law was an avartiker. His name was Rav Shlomo Taporovich. I hope I'm getting the name right. And this Rav Shlomo. Had, start, had started in his time. He started Yeshiva Kol Nachal Salavim, which is still existing in Haifa. It was founded as an Avariker Yeshiva, it sounded like. And when this Rav Taparovich was a Bachar, so, and this is a story that's brought down in, in uh, Haboteach, which was a, a periodical that was put out by the Navarika Yeshivas. So it's a printed story. So this Rav Taparovich was part of a Chabura, and, and as was known, they would go out the Vardaka Bacharim would go out and they would work on Bitachan. How would they work on Bitachan? They would go to a place where they weren't known. They would leave the town. They would stay in a shul. They would have Bitachan. HaKadosh Baruch who would provide them with all of their needs. And the Bacharim came there and they were there overnight. They slept in a, in a base Knesset, in, in a shul. And in the morning, somebody came and, and brought them some, some herring and some a small kind of food, enough for them to, to be able to live on. And this Reb Shlomo Taparavich, who at the time was a bachar, he was not eating. He wasn't eating. And the other bachar said, why aren't you eating? We had our bitachan. And this is what Kodesh Baruch said. He said, no, I have an aunt. And my aunt, uh, she's in America. She's an American. She wanted me to have healthy food. So she sent me money. And every single day, I eat a roll of bread, butter, and a cup of cocoa. That's what I eat. That's in order for me to stay healthy. So... The other Bachram said, you know, okay, you have your bitachin, that that's going to come. He hadn't brought it, obviously, with him. So that, you know, the whole idea was that they should have bitachin, that we're going to get what they, what they need. Not long after that, a man comes to the shul, holding a tray. And on the tray was a roll, some butter, and a cup of cocoa. And everybody gathered around this man. The man, obviously, didn't know that these Bachram... Uh, you know, needed this particular thing that this Bachar needed this from Shlomo Taparovich. And the Bachar said, My high, why did you come here now? Why did you bring this, this uh, exact food? And he said his wife had told him that, they, that she had heard that there were some Bachar in, a, in, uh, 
in a shul, and then maybe they needed some kind of food, and it was a yard site for him that day, so he decided to bring a roll, a piece of butter, and a cup of cocoa. He told another story, which perhaps we'll save for another time. But I want to encourage you, you know, working on it together as a group, like the Navarticers did, nothing like it. We have a women's group, we have a men's group. I invite you to join us. We meet, the men's group meets every Sunday. And tremendous chizuk, we strengthen each other, we work on Bitachin together, we have a WhatsApp group. And I encourage you to join the Bitachin group at gmail.com. Send an email and I will include Jubilee Neder in the list and give you the information of how to join separate groups, men and women, women's group led by women, men's group led by men. Thank you so much for listening. See you again next time.